Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina. Music would play and thirty new. Live today on the patio um, here in front of Aggie Memorial Stadium. In fact, we are overlooking the football field right outside of uh, Director of Athletics Mario Mocha's office. And uh, that's how we're going to begin the show today here on a uh, gorgeous day. It is absolutely a picture-perfect Thursday afternoon. We've been uh, telling you for uh, over a week now that we would be live out here today and give you uh, two and a half hours uh, prior to the uh, Aggie spring game. And, Adrian, it's become a reality. We are here. The uh, sun is out, light breeze, and gorgeous, gorgeous weather conditions here today. Steve, I'm so excited because today we get a chance to uh, watch the Jerry Kill era debut for the first time out there uh, for Aggie football fans. I'm so excited to uh, to, ca- to uh, hear about this spring football game that's going to be taking place tonight. And, uh, yeah, what a great day for football. Great weather outside. Gorgeous weather. Coach Kill's going to join us uh, coming up in about uh, 15 minutes. You tweeted out the guest list. It is a stack list, too. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, David from Cantera Negra in about 40 minutes or so. We've got uh, Coach uh, Greg Heyer going to be with us as well at 5. Then uh, Jody Birch-Adams at 520. We're even going to talk to uh, Zach Erickson from Modelo Especial at 545. And then uh, Hags. Uh, Tim Haggerty will join us at uh, 615 and Mario Mocha kicks it off today on the program. Uh, you know, you uh, you put this thing together for us on very short notice. So, first off, thanks for having us out here. We appreciate that. And uh, really uh, looking forward to uh, what's going to be a pretty uh, busy day for you and uh, everybody out here at NMSU Athletics. Well, I appreciate you coming out, Steve. And, uh, you know, one thing when we uh, when we brought Jerry Kill on, you know, he had this infectious enthusiasm. Uh, you know, he had asked people to invest in the program. We launched the Aggie Stock sale and a hundred days later we raised a quarter of a million dollars in cash just to the football program and it hasn't stopped and you know while we've gone through practices and Jerry and his coaching staff have uh, you know been solidified and had practices um, we've noticed I've noticed that wherever I go in the community people are like man coach kill saw me at a restaurant coach kill did that did the blah 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 so he's all over the place so we are really going to make it a, a big push uh, to sell season tickets and then to you know probably sell try to sell out that first game like we did in 2015. But this is just the thing we haven't made a big deal right. of the spring game um, since I've been here, and now this is like the other big time schools where we're going to have events and giveaways and and live uh, radio shows etc. surrounding the game. I was going to ask you if this is the norm for uh, Aggie football spring game. If this is something that uh, we're used to. We've never been out here live but I didn't know if you've had the opportunity to to turn the uh, game into an event like this before. Well you know we, we, we could have. We really just haven't. So and that's on us. So we wanted to change that up so you know obviously uh, the game's at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. That was kind of unique, just the way the calendar fell. But since tomorrow is Good Friday, all the kids aren't in school, people can come out and watch. Yeah. You know, the gates are going to open at 6. It's a free event, right? We've got the uh, National Guard is sponsoring the Climbing Rock Wall at the northwest entrance. We know that Sports Accessories has given away 500 Aggie football decals. They'll be set up. Uh, you know, concession stands will be open, serving a multitude of things, including 
ice cold beer. There you go. And uh, so we'll have a lot. Modelo is really the sponsor of the game. I know they have a tent going up. They're going to be giving away some things. And then, you know, we've always got our AD's quote-unquote patio party. So, you know, we'll invite, you know, some of the, the head coaches. Some I know Fred Young's going to be here, our nice. former all-pro Aggie, uh, trying to get Charlie Johnson out here, who's in the Denver Broncos ring of honor. We've got politicians. We've got the chancellor. We've got, you know, making it, making it a big deal. And as I always said, I can't control if we win or lose, but I can always control the party. Yes. And we always have strived at New Mexico State Athletics to make things a party, and I think that's how you build up um, you know, the fan base. I totally agree, and, and make it uh, a festive event, and that's exactly what this is going to be. And since, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see how many fans show up tonight because I think there's a lot of curiosity in the area uh, now that Jerry Kill is here. I really do. I think that it's piqued the interest of a lot of NMSU football fans and probably fans uh, around the country to see uh, if Jerry can have that same magical uh, approach to uh, the Aggies like he's had to so many others throughout his uh, coaching career. And that's one of the main reasons why, you know, when we were looking for a head coach, it's like, hey, let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, historically, we have, um, you know, we have struggled to have success. It's happened uh, very briefly, you know, uh, almost once a decade, you know, if you're looking at a historical standpoint. And then you look at Jerry and he takes – 0-10 team to 10-1 and in three years. He takes a 2-10 and team to 10-3 and in two years, Southern Illinois, Northern Illinois. Then he takes a, a team that hadn't been to a New Year's Day bowl game in 53 years at Minnesota, and he does that with eight wins, you know, back-to-back in the Big Ten. So, you know, you're certainly hoping it rubs off. And then, you know, when you get a, uh, uh, you know, TCU, they let their coach go, and, you know, they make Jerry the head coach, and all of a sudden he beats Baylor in the first game, ranked 12th. Exactly. So we certainly hope that th- that will rub off uh, on the Aggies. I'm sure you're not expecting a, an overnight fix. I mean, it'd be great if it happened, but most of the time, uh, even, uh, you know, a place like this, it, it might take a little while. But as long as you can see the building blocks in place in year one, I'm sure you'll be pretty happy. Well, I have no doubt that he has the roadmap to turn the program around. And you're right, though. It's not a basketball where, you know, the year before, even with all the COVID and couldn't be in the state, you know, we, we now we went to the finals of the of the WAC uh, conference, but we, we lost to Grand Canyon. But, you know, you get a Teddy Allen in, yep. and all of a sudden you're winning a game in the tournament. You know, it's you, you do not have players like that unless, you know, Tom Brady's walking through the door. Uh, Mario Mocha with us uh, here to begin the show today. And, uh, again, Coach uh, Kill will be with us uh, coming up in our second segment. Meanwhile, our telephone number is 915-505-6009. That's 915-505-6009. Let's jump out to the phones. Lance is first up today. He wants to talk uh, to uh, Mr. Mario Mocha. Lance, welcome back. Good to have you on the show. How you doing? Hey, great, Steve. Thank you for having me. I appreciate sure, Lance. Go ahead. all the opportunity. You got it. Um, how are you doing today? So far, so good, Lance. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I was curious, uh, so what's going on here with, we've got new um, new deals with UTEP Athletics, and I'm interested to get your perspective on that. In what sense? Um, in the sense that, you know, we're kind of changing directive on yeah. coaching aspects. 
All right, well, listen, let's put it this way. Appreciate it, Lance. Thanks for the phone call. Um, one of the nice things about today's show here, as far as the Aggies go, Mario, is um, you've got new coaches across the board, new football, new men's basketball, new women's basketball. We're going to talk to them all today. So, really, this is the first time since you've been here where you've had a chance to make all three hires in the same uh, same span. Yeah, you know, we obviously had uh, the loss, uh, you know, and you look back, but even before I got here, you know, you lose Reggie to the NBA, you lose Marvin uh, to UNLV, you know, we replaced him with Paul, who had a very successful year, replaced Paul with Coach Jans, was great, uh, you know, I had a Mark Track, you know, leaves here to go to USC, we hired Brooke, you know, and um you know, we just had a, uh, a new coach come in, Jody Adams-Birch. So, yeah, it is interesting where you have three new coaches in a span. Uh, that definitely takes a toll. But uh, I really think in their own right, uh, they have been tremendous. I mean, you have, like as I said, Jerry Kill, two-time uh, national coach of the year in mm-hmm. FCS in 04 and 07, Big, 12, Big Ten coach of the year in 2014. You know, Jody Adams-Birch. Uh, you know, starting point guard for Pat Summit's national championship team, right. but right. has 185 Division One wins, you know, made her bones at uh, Wichita State where, uh, you know, she was a two-time Missouri Valley Coach of the Year, three straight NCAA tournaments, six consecutive postseason appearances, uh, tw- four 20-win seasons, so, you know, pretty stout. And then Greg Heyer, you know, has just kind of won wherever. You know, we put out a great graphic, and any coach that's NAIA uh, junior college or any all the divisions, he leads active uh, head coaches with a 91% winning percentage. Crazy. Six years in junior college, but he also has tremendous – uh, Division One experience, six at Wichita State with the Final Four and the and the thirty-five and zero season. Uh, two years, uh, I think it was two at Southern Mississippi with Larry Eustacey, the two-time National Coach of the Year, and then uh, uh, LSU. You know, the win a SEC championship and go to a Sweet Sixteen. So he's got a tremendous amount of. Um, of um, of experience at the Division One level, and what I love is, boy, that Greg Marshall staff of Chris Jans, who's at Mississippi State, um, Steve Forbes, who's the ACC Coach of the Year at Wake Forest, and we've got Greg Heyer. So you know, I really am happy with all three, and we're glad that we could uh, you know kind of introduce them not just to the community of yep. Las Cruces, but the borderland. The Greg uh, Marshall family tree is paying off in coaching, isn't it? Well, it sure has. Uh, a couple of people. Uh, Jeff Goodman, he texted me. He goes, "Man, you love that. You love that great GM tree." I said, "Well, it's paid off so far." I mean, how can you argue? You really can't. Well, so. I think that they played a style of basketball that we have historically had success with: rebounding and defense always gets on the bus. And you know, we've just had that ability to attract a a Randy Brown, a Teddy Allen, a, a Zach Lofton. You know. Uh, uh, a Trev Queen, you know, uh, wins the you know best player in the uh, in the uh, NBA G League. Yep. So yeah, hopefully that'll continue. Mario Mocha with us here on Sports Talk as we kick things off. All right, so uh, this event uh, brought to you by Modelo Especial, very important. Um, and I know we're also we're going to talk to Zach from Modelo. We're going to talk to David from Cantera Negra. That's important. The official uh, tequila of uh, New Mexico State Athletics. Um, Jerry Jones yesterday agreed to a new deal with crypto. Uh, will we ever see the official cryptocurrency of NMSU athletics? You know, never say never, but, you know, you're, we, have, we have entered into things that I'm familiar with. Okay, pecans, all right, uh, peanuts, uh, beer, right. tequila, 
whiskey. I'm Kendall's. familiar with that. Anything from a technology standpoint, yeah. I'm not saying never, but I think one of our younger staff members is going to have to champion that. Okay. Um, do we Bitcoin, have... dog coin, yes. I don't understand it. Blockchain. It's, it's, hard. it's hard. I know. Yeah. Blockchain is what the Cowboys just yeah. signed. Uh, are there anything uh, coming up here in the days, weeks, and months to come as far as new uh, partnerships? Yeah. Well, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in addition to after this, we're really going to make a push for football, but we've got our Aggie Open coming up. Uh, that's a, our golf tournament that you know supports all the sports. That's going to be Friday, uh, April 22nd. Okay. We've got a morning and an afternoon flight. We've got uh, the afternoon flight is sold out. We've got three teams left in the morning. So we're going to have you know 60, 60 teams out there. It's great to run the coaches out. So we've got three of those left uh, this Saturday. We're going to dedicate that $900,000 baseball mm. uh, facility. Our benefactors, Mike and Judy Johnson, are coming down from Santa Fe. Very nice. So we'll check that off the list. And uh, I know that uh, Coach Hire has a bunch more recruits coming in that I'm going to meet with on Saturday. Got volleyball recruits tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, there's always a bunch of stuff going on. And then we're going to take our show on the road. We're going to do our caravan. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, we're going to go up to uh, Gallup at Sammy C's Rockin' Sports Bar. Uh, I think it's going to be May. Let me see here. I think it's going to be May 11th. I think that's a Wednesday. Then on that Thursday, I think we're going to try to have a lunch in Santa Fe, and we're going to have an evening event in Albuquerque. And then we're, we're working through the logistics. I want to rent an RV mm. and bring you know all the three new coaches and then a couple of staff members. But it's not as easy. A, I'm not driving it. True. B, I got to figure out the insurance and all that stuff. But uh, I like the traveling road show, the Aggie road show. Oh That's yeah, good. and then the next week I want to have a lunch in Roswell, and I want to do an evening function in Artesia. There you go. And then I'm going to do a media event with some of all of our stations and some of our. Can I mention these people? Because I know why you not? being here is probably already in trouble. But can I mention Edgar Montiel from Palo Verde Homes? Yeah, why not? Because he's a you've, you've he's already, a dude who's yep, you've helped done us. It. There you go. I know. I've kind he's of already, sponsoring uh, our trip to the NFL draft. He's one of our sponsors. So, so I can call him out for also. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, you know my main man at the Radisson, Eamon. You know he and has Aiden. been huge. Nice. Uh, Bernie has always been great to us. So I like all the shout outs um, right now. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, those three guys are my. Kind of El Paso Mafia. They're my El Paso Three Musketeers when I when I need something over there. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. You're 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 kind of separate. You're you know you're in rarefied air. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, this is this is part of the um, this is the El Paso borderland. This is it. Las Cruces is 30 minutes away. Um, I, I've been here before. Love coming out. You know uh, that uh, we've got a great relationship, and I'm just happy you had us out here today for the spring game. I'm looking forward to seeing all these uh, Aggie fans show up this afternoon and, and, and have some what, fun. What is your commentary on all of our football coaches? So, you know, I don't know who else is doing this, but you know us and sponsorships. So yes. they come to me and they say, hey, we've just convinced your coaches to wear Modelo Especial hats on the sideline. I'm like, okay, thanks for checking with me. Uh, I don't know if you've been around to hear all the stuff about our fans talking about not wearing logos. So I said, bring the hats to me. So I called Sports Accessories. I said, Brian, they're going to bring the hats the day of. Is there any way you can embroider New Mexico State on the hats? He goes, bring them to me. I'll take care of it. So you got uh, a lot of friends, don't he you? He had all, well, he had all this ready. So I think it looks pretty sharp. You got it's a, a nice hat. Modelo hat, but you got New Mexico State making like it that. legitimate. But I, I don't like know how that. many other coaches in college have coached a spring game with a 
I need to take uh, one of these back to the station for Adrian. This is yours right there. Oh, thank you. Can you get? Can you spare? Oh, one can for Adrian? I? Well, you know, for Adrian, you know, why not? Adrian, you're gonna love this hat, man. I you're appreciate gonna, you're gonna be, you. You're gonna be. Adrian's just this. waiting in the wings for something free, so I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting for waiting for all the freebies that you guys are getting out there. Aye, yeah, yeah. Look, here comes Coach Kill walking over there right now. Very good. Okay, so let's take the break. We'll come back. Hey, maybe I'll pop in a couple of hours from now. We'll talk as things get a little busy. Sure, sure. Yeah, that would be great. Just getting started with Sports Talk Live out here at Aggie Memorial Stadium, Jerry. Kill next right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. I want to say hello to Thomas Wyatt, who came out here early and uh, always uh, a good friend of the station, good friend of the show, the grandson of Baseball Hall of Famer Travis Jackson. So appreciate uh, Thomas uh, popping over here with some really cool vintage memorabilia and um, looking forward to bringing some of this back to Marina since it involves her father, Andy Cohen. So thank you very much for that, Thomas. Right now we're going to talk to uh, head coach Jerry Kill, who's with us uh, here here live uh, out at uh, New Mexico State and Aggie Memorial Stadium just a few hours before the uh, his first uh, NMSU spring game. Coach, welcome back. Great to see you. And uh, tell you what, uh, you look uh, very uh, relaxed right now, very calm, and probably pretty excited about what you're going to get to see here in a few hours. Well, I think the good thing is, is you have 14 practices, and then uh, and we've our kids have done a great job for 14 of them. They really have. And then you get into the the last practice, and I think every coach in America just doesn't want to get somebody hurt. You know, they you know the the scrimmages and the games have kind of you know been leveled off more than they used to be. But uh, you know, it's it's fun to come out and you know uh, have an atmosphere and let the kids play. And uh, as I tell them, this is their time; they need to have fun. It's the same time they'll be evaluated, and every one of them will be. But, you know, we've evaluated most of them through 14 practices, and uh, this is their time to, to, you know, to have a little fun, play hard, and, and uh, the last impression. Has spring ball for you always been similar in all your coaching stops? Have you always tried to put all the practices along the same type of format no matter where you are? Well, is, uh, as a head coach uh, – because we've taken over programs that haven't been successful. Uh, they've been all a little bit different because, you know, it's kind of what you inherit as a team. So I can't say it's exactly the same format. This is the first time I've ever practiced in the mor- – the second time I've ever practiced in the morning. And I've really – I think that's benefited us. And uh, we'll do it in the fall. And uh, just uh, the kids come out, believe it or not, with more juice, excitement. Uh, they get breakfast underneath their belt, meat. And then they're done for the rest of the day. So uh, it's been good for us, and uh, that format has changed for me. I like the fact that, I mean, obviously it's hard. you got to get up a little earlier when you have morning practices, but probably good just because, like you said, guys come out ready, and then they know they're done the rest of the day. And it's got to be tougher if you have an evening practice when they've already gone through their whole day, and then they got to suit up and, and try to work out and, and, and give you everything they've got. Their focus and concentration is not as good, and, and uh, I just think uh, – you know, uh, it's a it's a mindset here. It's good because you know the wind blows more in the afternoon, and so you know you pretty much uh, we got perfect weather anyway. But uh, in the morning, it's even better. Now you've been in, uh, in in Fort Worth the last few years with TCU and 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 a part of that. But this is probably your first trip to to at least this part of the country out here in in New Mexico, like we have in, in Las Cruces. How have you been enjoying getting acclimated to the city and and the climate and everything else that uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, offers? Well, that's been easy. I, I mean, uh, 
I woke up in the hotel the first day and looked out, seen the mountains and seen the sunshine and the people and, you know, all the stuff that uh, you want in life, the quality of life is right here. Uh, our, our only problem is we've got to build a football team, but the rest of it's all good. True enough. Now, I asked, I asked Mario, I said, you know, uh, you've, you've made a, a career out of taking programs that were down and, and building them up. And I always, I mean, every, every program is different. Every situation is different because some of us are wondering how quick of a fix is it going to be right out of the gate and, and how much time, you know, could it take before you have New Mexico State to a point where you're satisfied and, and obviously fans are, are satisfied. Well, I think if you look at the history of what we've done, it's usually in the third year for whatever reason. Uh, that doesn't mean we hadn't had success, uh, you know, uh, when we were Northern. Uh, we went in there and, and went to a bowl game the first year. But I think every situation is different. If I, you know, put a timetable on this, you know, it's hard for me right now because we're not in a conference yet. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the timetable is we need – right now our staff – is the most important thing we do right now is get ready for Conference USA and make sure we're recruiting players that are going to compete uh, in in a conference because right now we're not in a conference. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to – I'm a competitor now, yeah. and I can't stand losing, so we're going to do everything we can to do to, to win here in the first year. Coach, I know conference affiliation means the world. I also know that you're navigating now through a, a different age in, in college athletics with the portal – NIL, things that you didn't have years ago that suddenly you have now. Um, easier or tougher for you here, or the same, trying to do what you need to do in today's era of college athletics and college football? Well, I've been at, you know, the Power Five level, and I'm here, and I, you know, went through it at TCU for the first time, and, and I would say that there's pluses and minus on both of them because, you know, the, the tough thing at uh, – you know, you're dealing with a, a player that's a five-star kid that, you know, they're they're not easy to coach, you know. and uh, But in here you got to be able to keep the players. Um, but, you know, I think probably what you have to do the best you can is you can't beat money. You're not going to beat money, mm-hmm. okay. So you've got to look at Conference USA and say, okay, what do they have? What do we need? You know, how much NLI money do we need compared to them? You know, we don't want to lose somebody across the board. Right. If we lose somebody up, there's nothing we can do about it, and you just got to be able to replace it. And so you got to be recruiting all the time. And my biggest change as the head coach is I recruit all the time. I don't know if I'm all the time, year-round, and then uh, when we're not in a dead period, and then uh, and then the NLI thing, I'm recruiting, you know, I'm recruiting money for that and then building a program and getting the resources here to help us turn the corner so and so i better have a good staff so i've approached this completely different than i ever have on the other jobs because it's totally different do you enjoy recruiting oh absolutely absolutely you know i think that's the if you don't you shouldn't be in this job but the most important thing is you're i've never seen a uh, uh, coach score a touchdown so you better have good players i've never seen a team that's been successful without good players you know, it's got little to do with coaching. It's got everything to do with recruiting. More with Coach Kill as we continue. We'll get a lowdown on who's impressed him so far through the 14 practices as we get ready for spring football tonight here with the annual uh, game. But first, let's send it over to uh, Adrian right now in our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios with this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. 
All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Continuing right now with uh, New Mexico State uh, head football coach Jerry Kill as we get ready for uh, his first uh, spring game here with the Aggies and uh, everybody invited out to Aggie Memorial Stadium to take part in the festivities. All right, so we've we've talked a little bit about recruiting. We've talked about you, New Mexico State, the, the job and, and what to expect, but let's talk about the team itself on the football field because you said it. You don't score a touchdown. The team does, and as far as uh, players go, how about some of the uh, names of, of guys that have really impressed you uh, thus far over the the 14 practices that you've had here in the spring well i think it's it's hard to you know you know really go into one or two guys but yeah. you know if i talked about the the two inside linebackers you know i have done a done a really good job and i think you know uh you know they're the type of guys i'm used to seeing at tcu and uh you know uh chris o- ojo is one of those young men and uh and then his partner in crime both those guys are have done a good job and then uh you know you look at our secondary and and uh, that's a place that we need to improve on and uh you know it's uh uh we feel like we've done a little bit makai makai miller is a you know true freshman that's come in and been impressive uh you know uh you look at Cyrus Dumas, who played here a year ago, has done a good job at corner. I still think we got to find another corner or two in, in, in what we're doing, and we feel like we got those coming in. Uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I think a guy that's going to play in the NFL, and I don't say that very often right off the bat, and he's a only a uh, – I think he's a red he's a red shirt junior, so he's a sophomore, is, is David Cordell. You're going to hear that name a lot because he's been a – you know he's been kind of a freak show during practice, and uh, uh, he's he's a great player. And along with Chris Bellamy, who actually walked on from Coffeeville, who is uh, definitely not a walk-on player. And uh, Coffeeville's always been good to me in uh, turnaround programs. Uh, Gavin Franks, young kid coming in from Oklahoma, uh, he's got a lot to learn yet, but you know he's put on about 15 pounds already. He's a six-four. 225 pound guy that runs in the four sixes and he just got to learn what to do and uh and then uh you you talk about quarterbacks and you you look at diego home you know albuquerque new mexico won a national championship you know you look at him and i told him today i said i just you know i said uh, you amaze me i can't figure you out because he's probably 510 at the tallest you know he won the state wrestling championship all those things and uh, you know, and you and you look at him and go, he shouldn't be. Should he be a, a quarterback? And he's played his butt off in the spring, and he's a competitive guy. And he goes, Coach, I really don't care who you bring in. I know you're going to bring in another quarterback. I'm just going to beat him out. And so I like his, uh, you know, I don't call it cockiness, confidence, quite confidence, yeah, quite kind of confidence. But he's he's done a he's done a heck of. He's done a heck of a job. Sounds to me like just from from that answer that linebacker is very deep with some really good playmakers. You like your wide receiving core. You touched on some quarterbacks, um, and you mentioned your secondary. Uh, what about first off uh, on the uh, offensive line and running backs? How are those two positions looking right now, Coach? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I feel good about, you know, we need we still need to get a little deeper at running back. 
but Jamoyan has done a heck of a job. He's a young man from northeastern Oklahoma, and uh, you know he's a big, strong back that he he's what I'm used to having, you know. And then Amari Amario coming from TCU is a speed back, you know. He can break it and it's over with. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then we're looking for you know continue to look for some depth there, and uh, and then at uh, in the offensive line. That's probably the the issue we've concentrated most in recruiting because we frankly are only going to have ten tonight, and uh, so that's an area that we that we've really concentrated on, you know, in the recruiting process. And uh, I don't want to get into too many names in sure. the offensive line right now because I don't. <laughs> we're we're still trying to figure it out, but tonight will be important for the offensive line. I, I will say this is that. There's a kid uh, named Pete Shaws. He's a, a kid that uh, walked on here. He's uh, probably 6'7", 320, and he's just come out of nowhere. He's had a great spring. If I said anybody in the offensive line that is, is went, wow, is he'd be the one. Uh, five on the roster from El Paso, but I think that of all the names, Lama Lavea is the one that really stands out, the former Chapin star. Yeah, he's the best defensive lineman we have right now. I mean, he's uh, he's got a motor. He loves football. He loves competing. Uh, you know, he's just a he's just a good good football player, and he's a good person on top of it. In terms of uh, your recruiting style, you go after anybody from anywhere, right? I mean, concentrate maybe on Texas and obviously your own backyard here in, in the state of New Mexico, but it doesn't matter where. If you can find players, you're, you're going to go get them. Well, we, you know, 38 years of coaching, and uh, and we got a lot of depth on our coaching staff with years. You know a lot of people. Yep. Uh, I've been at, you know, seven, eight different places, and I use connections because I want to know what I'm getting. We can't take any chances on mistakes. And uh, and we've got to recruit up to where we're going to go compete in the Conference USA. So uh, people, you know, know kind of who can play for me and, and my style. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that, um, you know, this helped us. We had camps that, you know, we go all over the country at. And, uh, you know, right now is – our job is to bring the best players that fit into Las Cruces. And uh, wherever they come from, you know, uh, they've got to be the right fit. Meanwhile, for fans coming tonight to watch the spring uh, workout, what's the best way to kind of let them know what they should expect when they get a chance to see uh, your team on the field? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, just to go through the format. We'll stretch, and then we'll go right into some kicking game stuff, and then we're just going to put the ball down on the 30 and go play football. And uh, we've hit the quarterback this spring, which I've never done. Uh, we won't hit him tonight okay. uh, because we want to stay healthy there. Uh, but everything else will be live, and, and uh, it'll be offense against the defense next year. We hope we have enough depth to make it a true spring game. But it's going to be uh, – intense uh our kids better play with enthusiasm they better play hard or they'll hear it from me and uh, i think they're excited i really do and uh you know i'm anxious to to watch them play sounds to me though like talking earlier about these morning practices you're really happy with what you've seen in terms of that attitude that excitement that hunger that they've been able to bring it for you these uh, these last couple weeks well you know it's one of those things that we've opened practice up and we've had a lot of people come to practice and because uh, I know, because I wrote, thank 
Mickey knows to all of them, and my my hands is sore. But it's and and we've had coaches come from all over, and and all I know is what they say. I haven't been here, but they all say, "Man, you, this team looks like they have so much energy and do that." And it's totally different, has been in twenty years and all that. Good. I don't know, but. Uh, for me and, and taking the team, it's been yes, sir, no, sir. We've had good discipline. Uh, haven't had a bunch of problems off the field. And they know I mean business. I was here the first week, got rid of four people, and I didn't have to worry about any problems after that. Good for you. Hey, enjoyed uh, the time spending with you here today. I'm looking forward to seeing the workout in a few hours and uh, continued uh, success. And come back and see us again here on Sports Talk. Okay, Absolutely. Coach? And I, I really appreciate your support and, and coming out. And it means a lot to our program. You bet. He's head coach Jerry Kill. He joins us uh, here on Sports Talk. Come back, take a break, and we're going to talk a little tequila next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue Sports Talk Live from Aggie Memorial Stadium. Steve Kaplowitz with you along with Adrian Broadus back at our Lubingo Studios. David Sidlick is here right now. He is one of the partners of Cantera Negra Tequila. And uh, as we've uh, talked about on the show in months past, they are partnering with New Mexico State University Athletics. David, great to see you back again, and uh, thanks for stopping by today. Thank you, Steve. Great to see you as well. Go ahead, David. I got you. Now I got you. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, tell me this much, David. Uh, a lot's changed, I'm sure. Some have stayed the same since we've last spoken. How are things now in terms of uh, the tequila world uh, with uh, Cantera Negra? Oh, the tequila world's fantastic. You know, we, uh, we partnered up with um, New Mexico State uh, University Athletics back in, I think, June of, uh, uh, of last year. And, um, you know, one of the couple reasons the business reason for us was to create awareness and become part of the community and uh we couldn't be more happy with the results the the town of las cruces the whole state of new mexico is is really accepted cantera negra tequila and uh and just working with um, the athletic department and the different local businesses has been fantastic. For people that have not had a chance yet to try uh, uh, the product, Contera Negra, how can you uh, describe it compared to other tequilas that people have tasted? Um, I think probably the, the key difference between Contera Negra and the other tequilas on the market um, is the, the smooth finish uh, of our tequila, um, the fact that it's all natural, uh, and also the way we go about making it. We've partnered with uh, the Becherano family, who's been making tequila in Mexico for almost 40 years. Uh, one of the only tequila companies that owns their own cooperage, so we actually make our own barrels to age the tequila in, and we age some of the tequilas up to five times the industry standard, so there's a lot of love and care that really goes into making it. The more you age it, the smoother it gets. How, how have you been able to develop such a smooth tequila? Um, a lot of it comes from the agave that you use, and, uh, and the Becheranos insist on getting only the most mature agave. Um, and, and after you get the high-quality agave, if you can leave them in the ground longer, a little more sugar will form in them. It will help in the fermentation process. It will also lead to the smoothness. And then also with the different barrels that you use um, and how long you leave them in. When you launched, how many years ago did Cantera Negra launch officially? Four years ago. So we've been in the U.S. for four years now. We uh, finished the first year in about four states, sold about 1,800 cases. We finished last year in 24 states, and we sold almost 50,000 cases. So wow. it's really taken off. New Mexico had one of the best starts of any state we've ever been in, and I really believe that our uh, relationship with the university 
uh, and the athletic department has really helped to get the awareness out there. Are you also in the state of Texas? We are in the great state of Texas, and uh, we're available in a couple of the specs over in El Paso yep. and um, and Juanitos as well. And then we're starting to get a nice little on-premise uh, uh, um, uh, focus going on over there as well. Now, I mentioned the five varieties. The four main ones, you have the silver, you have the reposado, you've got the añejo, and you've got the extra añejo as well. Starting with those four, um, do you say that the silver is more smooth than a lot of the other competing silvers out there? Or is it more that when you go into the repos and the añejos yeah. and you start to see that? We, we uh, and of course, I'm extremely biased. Of course. Uh, but, I would expect nothing else. <laughs> we do believe that our silver tequila is one of the smoothest, if not the smoothest tequilas out there. And it, and it comes from the late harvesting of the agave and, and it comes to the quality of the agave and then how the veteranos go about uh distilling it but um it just has a fabulous citrus nose and and uh and this cooked agave sweetness to it but then there is absolutely no burn on the throat and then if you can make a great silver tequila what you can turn out with aged tequilas can be really special and uh and that's what um we think we've been able to do. And then you have as well a uh, special tequila kind of, uh, uh, how would you describe, uh, you know, the, the it's, it's called the... Um, Quintero uh, Negra Cafe. Cafe. How do you yes. describe the cafe? Well, first of all, it, it's a liqueur, um, and it's made with 100% blue agave spirit um, that is uh, that has Mexican espresso beans from Veracruz steeped in that. Mm -hmm. And then some rum liqueur is blended with it. Um, but it is... You will swear there's chocolate in it, but there's absolutely no chocolate. Um, the uh, coffee taste is, is is just blended in perfect between the 100% uh, blue agave spirit and, and the, um, and the uh, rum liqueur. And um, we like to say uh, you, you can drink it straight. When we do tequila dinners at the, uh, at the dessert course, we will usually serve a bowl of vanilla ice cream and a shot glass of our uh, cafe, and we'll have people pour it over the oh, ice nice. cream. And it's one of the few times you get to see adults smile like children while they're eating. Uh, it's also great in your coffee, um, and it makes an unbelievable uh, espresso martini. Very nice. Uh, David, as we talk about the future, 2022 and beyond at Cantera Negra, uh, I'm assuming one of the goals is to get in every state. That's obviously there. But how do you want to see things continue to expand as far as the, uh, the tequila brand? Yeah, we, um, we, we've added three states this year, and we're going to keep that, uh, I think, as far as we're going to go. We've, we're into 27. Um, we'd really like to build uh, – you know, out the states that we have. So um, really a big focus here in New Mexico on gaining more distribution, starting to get uh, more in the bars and restaurants now that they're open again. And then the same thing in Texas. Uh, over in the El Paso area, we're going to be putting a big um, focus in on getting available in the bars and restaurants. And there's so many great tequila places over there. And uh, we've done a lot of that work already here in in Las Cruces, so we're excited about that. Speaking of exciting, it's amazing what the tequila industry has, how it's exploded over yeah. the last five, ten years, isn't it? It really is, and and especially you know since the pandemic started, it just has really taken off. And also in the category that we're in, which is that super premium category, so uh, in the call it forty-five to one hundred and thirty dollar bottle tequila. Now our cafe is is more in the twenty-five to thirty dollar range. But the silver starts around $50, and the extra Añejo goes just slightly over 100 
um, that category in the past three years has literally just exploded. So it's been an exciting time, and uh, it's getting to the point where, you know, one of the number one questions you ask when you go into a new account with the tequila is, do you have inventory because of the supply chain issues and also the growth? And we're in a very good position where we do have a lot of liquid and as well as bottles and caps. That's excellent. That was going to be yeah. my, my question is, 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 has that affected you like it has others? It Unbelievable. Hasn't. But um, but our partners down in Mexico have done a great job of, of uh, you know, working extra hard to find uh, the bottles and caps uh, that we need to keep uh, the liquid in the bottles. It's great to see you. Thank you. Um, continued success with uh, Cantera Negra, David, and uh, really uh, happy that uh, the partnership with Las Cruces in New Mexico State has worked so well for you. Thank you. I just want to, one last thing I've, I left out, and that is, uh, you know, Admiral Beverage has a partnership with the with the athletic department as well, and they're the distributor for us here in uh, New Mexico, and all of this came about because of them, and they have just been a fantastic partner as well. They care so much about the community and everything going on here, and uh, I just want to make sure... I gave them some credit. Steve, if you're listening, I'll make sure I send you the air check so you can get that for you as well. That's awesome. David, appreciate it again. Thank, Thank you, you, Steve. So I really appreciate it. You got it. David Sidlick, folks, he's one of the partners here at um, Contera Negra Tequila, and he joins us on Sports Talk. We'll come back with plenty more, including the brand-new head men's basketball coach with the Aggies. Greg Hires next, uh, live on 600 ESPN El Paso. Getting you live from Aggie Memorial Stadium. Steve Kaplowitz out here in Las Cruces. Adrian Broadus is back in our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios. Adrian, you're looking forward to this next guest in a big way, aren't you? Yeah, I think this is uh, one of our best guests that we've got today. Not to, you know, hey, we've got some oh, great you're, guests you're taking today, taking a shot Steve. at Mocha. I, I'm, he just, he just <laughs> gave yes. you a hat. He just gave you a hat. That's true, oh. Steve. I should be way, way nicer to Mario Mocha, who's giving me all oh these free God. goodies. I'm with you on Maybe that. Maybe Greg Hire's got something in his bag for me. You never know. Well, actually, no, I came empty-handed, but that's okay. He's here with us on the show right now. Coach, welcome to uh, Sports Talk Face-to-Face. Good to meet you, and uh, I'm happy uh, we were able to get a little time with you here today. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here. When we spoke last, uh, it was the day you were hired, and uh, I know it's been a whirlwind since. Tell me a little bit about what it's been like for you trying to get your bearings here in Las Cruces and, and ultimately navigate uh, you know, assembling a roster for this upcoming basketball season. Yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind, that's for sure. Uh, days go by fast, and uh, a lot of talking on the phone, a lot of recruiting, a lot of meetings, uh, in-person meetings, uh, player meetings. Uh, I've met more people than in in probably 18 days than than I've met in 18 years. Uh, so uh, we're you know remembering names and uh, just getting organized with the current roster and um, spending time with those guys is, is really, really important. Um, and then, you know, recruiting, I mean, recruiting is the bloodline of any successful program. And, uh, they lost some really good players from, from a, a you know, a team that went NCAA tournament and, and, and winning the game in the NCAA tournament. And a lot of, a lot of the top players were, were seniors or, or moving on. So, yeah. well, we got our work cut out. This was the last day, I believe, of your second dead period, correct? And then after, t- after today, you can go back to hosting recruits on campus and, and business as usual. Business as usual, yes, yes. Not easy with a dead period, is it? Because you can still contact them. You're just not able to host them, which at this time of year is really kind of the lifeblood as, as you're dealing with the portal and trying to, as you said, put the roster together. Yes, you know, like, you know, it was... Last weekend we had a couple in. This weekend we got we got several coming in, and um, 
You know, but that now we can visit them moving forward, uh, you know, all the way up to the middle of April. or um, So we'll have plenty of time to get them on campus. And uh, what a beautiful uh, campus to visit uh, this time of year and a, a beautiful city to, to visit this time of year. And, uh, uh, you know, it's... You, it's like my wife said, she's not enamored by a lot of things, but when she left here after the press conference, she went back to Florida to finish up teaching, and she was like, she called me, and she's like, Greg, it's real simple. She said, you get them on campus, it's going to be hard for them to say to say no because it's such a beautiful place. It's so funny you say that because across I-10 at UTEP, it's the exact same philosophy. You get them. You just get them to campus, get them to town, and that. And, and once you do that, your chance to close has just gone up that much more. Definitely, definitely, because you know you got you you can check all the boxes here. We 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 got unbelievable weather. We got a a, a great university that uh, a beautiful campus. Uh, Good uh, interaction with the students on campus. Great interaction with the community and the campus. Uh, unbelievable fan support, and we got playing time. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we got playing time. You know, and that's what they all want. It's playing time. So, of the current roster from last season, how many right now? How many open spots do you currently have as it stands today? Mm, probably nine. Wow. All right, so you've got – you definitely have – see, people don't realize that nine nine's a lot. I mean, you know, we have 13 scholarships. So if you've got nine spots, that means that uh, for a lot of players, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. Yes, great opportunity. I love where we're at in recruiting. I love who we have coming in. Um, I feel great about um, the team that we're going to put together. And, um, you know, so, um, you know, I can assure the fans that, yeah, we may have nine spots, but um, – I'm really excited about, uh, you know, where we're at, where we're going, and, and what's about to happen here. So, uh, you know, but we got to take it one day at a time, and uh, it, it does it does take time. But, you know, that's w- one of the reasons why I've been successful um, everywhere I've been is because I understand how to put a roster together. You yep. know, you have to be yep. a general manager before you're a coach. And right now I'm a general manager trying to put uh, the team together and, and get the structure of the program together. And um, I'll turn into a coach when they come here for summer school. Do you enjoy the GM role as much as you do being the coach itself? Yes, it's actually I love the recruiting, the the general manager side of it. Um, uh, you know, last year my team, you know, I, you know, I, I took over Northwest Florida. Uh, there was thir- fourteen guys there. I kept one of them, and I brought in sixteen new players. I had seventeen players the first day of summer school, and I did it in six weeks. Um, so, you know. Co- and, and it's, it's like anything, though, in life. It's having people skills, having relationships with people. Um, you know, customer service. Uh, you do good with, with your players, and they say good things about you to other people and to their AAU coaches, to their high school coaches, and then, you know, or somebody else in the community. That, that It's the basketball. It's a big world, but it's a small world. Yeah. And, and customer service is so important, how you treat people, because that helps, um, you know, you be able to put together a roster, and you know another thing too is Steve. It's it's not always who you sign. It's not you know it's one thing to sign a player, but it's another thing what you do with them once you get them. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, they see you at the end of the season, or they see 
like last year they see them in the NCAA tournament but don't realize how much work Jan's put into developing them every single day and helping them become the best versions of themselves and um and then at the end of the year it's like dang he recruited a heck of a team yes he did but but the reality is is he recruited good players and he made them better players every single day and that's kind of been our model everywhere we've been Greg Heyer with us here on Sports Talk as we continue so Nine spots. Um, how many coaches do you have left right now? How, how many assistants have you filled, and, and how many are still uh, still out there? Um, I, I, I have filled one. Okay. I remember with, that because you told us about that the day we, uh, we, we talked to you for the first time. Yep. Um, Coach Taylor yep. is, is staying on. And, um, you know, I have uh, – and then um, DG, who was um, a support staff role, um, is, is still here and – um, you know, going to stay on in some some type of capacity. Um, you know, I just haven't made the the final decision yet, but he's over there um, at the office daily. And um, you know, my guys from from Florida, I got to wait on uh, a waiver from the NCAA because of um, you know the potential of me bringing players and bringing coaches at the same time. So you got to go through the right channels of that. So you know that takes time as well. Um, so uh, you know, but it's like anything. As it back to being a general manager. You know, you got to be patient. Sure. And it's got to be the right people. And I have my criteria is pretty simple. I want people that understand me or understand this place. So it's it's pretty much I either got to know them or they got to know this place, this university, this community inside and out. That's interesting you say that because I was going to ask you when you have so many spots left, do you tell a coach that you might know and say, hey, look. You bring me two or three players that can play, and we've got an assistant spot for you because it happens in so many places like that. Or do you say, like you said, this place and and uh, the system is more important than that because you know and you're confident in your abilities to bring players yourself. It's not as much of a necessity for assistance. Uh, that's a good point, Steve. Uh, definitely talking to some guys that have some higher-level talented guys, so I wouldn't say that that's not an option. Um, you know, uh, I'd probably go to bed one night um, having an, a great idea about a, a plan about maybe this and this and this, and then, you know, the next day I wake up and I'm like, ah, I don't know about that, you know, and, uh, but you want it to be just, the, the, it's like a puzzle. It's got to fit right, and the people got to fit right. I'm more about people, like the, mic, the, the, the getting the group of people mm-hmm together um and it's got to be all about the players and about um you know understanding what your job's going to be and staying in your lane um you know uh so hiring staff is is not easy um but it's really no different than signing good players um you just you got to spend time with them um and you know uh, you you can tell just by my answer right now that I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with I am but I'm not like if you came in my office and looked at my board you'd be like oh, okay he knows what he's going to do he just hasn't done it yet you know and in the meantime I'm I'm still entertaining other things, uh, if that makes sense. Well, if I were you, I, I, there's no re, there's no panic. I mean, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's 1,200 players in the portal. What's going to be really interesting to me is May 1st because that's the date that players have to decide where they're going if they want immediate eligibility, assuming they're not a graduate transfer. Now, at least that's the rule as way I understand it, Coach. I'm sure you can find waivers. Everybody's crave, and they can get waivers for everything. But the way it's supposed <laughs> to be is May 1st uh, will be the date as far as the portal goes yeah definitely may 1st is the date and so you know basically after may 1st you can start 
comfortably putting your team together <laughs> up till May first. I mean, they, they may be with you one day, and they may be they may be wanting to transfer the next day. That's uh, true. You know, and there's you know there's obviously a uh, this in this in this business. Uh, you know, it's it's all about the players, and you got to have good players. And um, so when you have good players, you, you it's hard to keep good players. And um, you know, some universities have more resources than others, and that has a big factor. And and really, really, that should never be the, the determining factor of why you go to a school. You should go because of the people, and and the bond and the togetherness. Because if if you have that, you'll get a great payout on the back end. Mm-hmm. But a lot of a lot of people make the wrong decision over. Um, it's not about the people, and then they get there, and it's you know, oh, well, I want to transfer again, or the you, you, you know, they were this big time talent coming out, you never hear about them ever again. Sure. Um, and a lot of that has to do with you know, the 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 the, the bond ain't right, um, and it's if the bond ain't right, uh, like I always tell players, coaches, if your mind ain't right, your game ain't gonna be right, and if your bond ain't right, your mind's definitely not gonna be right. Hundred percent. Greg Heyer with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue with the brand-new head men's basketball coach in New Mexico State. All right, Adrian, uh, you've been sitting uh, back at the studios right now as we get ready for uh, everything else this hour. I'm sure you've got a question for the coach uh, or two. Go right ahead. Coach, want to ask you about the transition from junior college to Division One, And just early on into this, uh, we've heard from players telling us the biggest differences between junior college and Division One. What are what are the biggest cha- uh, changes and challenges that you experience as a coach going uh, and making that jump? Um, I would say everything is pretty much relevant so far, except for um, the fan support, the community support, the, the investment from the fans, um, the the care from the fans, the media perspective, um, the care of of you know New Mexico State men's basketball from you know media fans community uh, that's probably the biggest thing um, for me. Everybody cares way more about what we're doing, and when you're in junior college, you know you want everybody to care. You you want what we're, what I'm getting right now. Uh, and you try to create that, but uh, it's 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 not there, and it's real here, and it's it's really blown me away because I didn't understand that the you know even though Chris and I had so many talks um, the last five years, but I didn't really understand the passion they have for basketball here, and mm-hmm. this is a, 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 a I mean a, a great fan base that that cares and that's all you can ask for in life is to get somewhere where people care um about what you do for a living so i'd say that's the biggest that's the biggest um, difference that i've um felt so far now, Coach, one last one for me. Uh, for those junior college players that make that jump to Division One level, what, what's the kind of advice that you give them? Because it, it's a, a lot faster of a game at the Division One level that they get, end up experiencing. Yeah, I, I, it's more than anything. It, that's why you you know, recruiting junior college is from being in junior college. It's you kind of understand and know how to recruit junior college and recruiting players that are f- from. Good one, good coaches, good programs, but have a daily routine. The daily routine is what gets them, because you know there's a lot of places that you can get players from, and and they don't have to get up in the morning, go to team breakfast, uh, lift weights during the day, go to class, uh, come back, do an hour in the training room, and then uh, you know do an individual workout, 
come to practice, go to take an ice bath after, go eat dinner together, then come back and get shots up in the evening. You know, you get a player like from a, from a program like that, there's probably not going to be as much of an adjustment. But most uh, programs aren't like that at the junior college level, so the daily routine really eats them up um, once they get here. So that's something that I'll harp on with them about is getting a daily routine and, and because if you want to be a pro, you got to get a daily routine. And pros have a simple daily routine every day. I also was told that uh, that team you had, uh, that JUCO team last year, was basically a bunch of D1 guys. That those are guys that are, should all be playing D1 basketball. Yeah, they they really are. I mean, I got, I had four D1 transfers and then nine qualifiers on my final roster. Um, so, you know, the, uh, I told my staff last year, like, uh, okay, if we're recruiting against junior colleges, I don't want to recruit that kid. All right, if we're recruiting against D1s, other D1s, I want to recruit them because yeah. you know we were just recruited against low low to to mid-major Division One schools, and, you know, hey, come here for a year, and, um, you know, you can go to, uh, you know, find a, a better school. And a lot of it had to do with the COVID. With, uh, getting that year back has kind of stockpiled the players, and the high school kids are the ones that are, you know, suffering the most um, with all these guys in the transfer. You got COVID, you got the transfer portal, um, and then you look up and you're like, wow, that high school kid five years ago would have been going high major, and he's still available right now. Like, man, so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm recruiting some some really good high school players, and um, um, they're going to be tremendous players um, at this level, and they're only going to keep getting better and better. But I'm not scared to to go. I had a kid last year that had zero offers, came to me, and he's going to Oregon now. Wow. So, um, you know, if there's something, some things you just can't teach, and when they can when they can run and they can jump and they're long and they're tall and they can make a shot, like, and and they they add some character to them. They're probably going to be pretty good players. think so, too. Coach, come back and see us again uh, a little bit later on. I know you, there's going to be a lot of names to be announced here in the days and weeks to come, and appreciate you spending time with us here this afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adrian. He's Greg Heyer, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk. When we come back, we're going to keep talking NMSU basketball, meet the new women's head coach. Jody Adams-Birch is next. We'll meet her as we continue live out here in Las Cruces and Aggie Memorial Stadium on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk Live from Aggie Memorial Steam by another hour with you as we get ready for the NMSU annual spring football game. So uh, it has been a busy, busy afternoon. We've met uh, a brand-new head football coach in Jerry Kill. We've met a brand-new head men's basketball coach in Greg Heyer. Now we get to meet the brand-new women's head basketball coach in uh, Jody Adams-Birch, and she is with us right now. Welcome to the program. And uh, this is, I, I said this to Mario earlier, it is so nice because I've never been uh, on a radio show at a university where I've interviewed three new head coaches in all the major <laughs> sports before. So um, you are the most recent hire, I know that, but uh, great to have you on board and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, now, it's only been a couple of weeks uh, since you were introduced, so uh, let me know what, uh, what Las Cruces has been like for you and really your impressions of the campus and everything around here in New Mexico State. Well, first of all, it started with just uh, you know, a press conference, just the people that were so interested in women's basketball and just being Aggie fans. And so it really started there with just the overwhelming of like, wow, um, what an awesome place. And obviously the people make the place and, and just knowing Mario and getting to know his staff and 
It's just the the welcome has been almost surreal. It's hard to explain. It's just anything that you have needed and mm-hmm. um, maybe even wanted. It's just you've had people just come forward and really want to make the transition for you and your family um, as easy as possible. And, you know, they really want to see you do well and to be able to help these, you know, young women, um, you know, get things going and, um, you know, put the program in a place where we expect it to be, right? Exactly. And that's just, you know, it's a day by day, it's a process and you gotta trust that process. So, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed getting out in the town. We've been going to different restaurants. I have one assistant here and we've been trying different restaurants to see where we're gonna take these recruits as they go. begin to come in next week. Good for you. Uh, meanwhile, your relationship with Mario Mocha goes all the way back to Southern Illinois. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. We were, we were there. We just uh, won a championship. Let me see, in '07, and um, so I had met him there and just got to know him. I just loved his vision. It was very outside the box. He was a, a go-getter. I anything that um, he didn't just dream about it. He made it happen. So you know, I love people that. Um, you know, that love to get after it and really are, you know, coaches, coaches in a way. And, you know, they help us be successful and point us in the right direction. And he was just a fan of ours, and he's a fan of the athletes. So he's just, um, he's, he's rare. Well, he told me he had a home run when he hired you, and he was super excited about that. And I know that means probably the world uh, to you because after all these years, now you get a chance to work together at New Mexico State, a place that has had success over the years in basketball. Maybe not hanging as many banners as they would like, but, hey, that's what you're here for, right? Hey, banners are banners. You know, I think our last one was in 2019. And so it hasn't been that long ago, and, and there's been several that have been hung here. and. I'm very proud of that, very proud to come in and to continue the tradition um, that has been laid and continue to plant those seeds for winning ways and what we want to do here in the near future. If I would have told you, let's say 30 years ago when you were playing for Pat Summit, that uh, there was a transfer portal available (laughs) and um, everybody's going in it right now and you could transfer anywhere you want to go and get immediate eligibility and there's even money involved now with uh, name, image, likeness. Uh, it would probably have blown you and, and every other college athlete away, right? You know, we would have said no way. I can't believe that. But I think being at Tennessee, it, it was a special place. And just being observant of, of where we were asked to be and how we were used as far as student athletes with our boosters. I mean, we knew how we drew in people. Uh, We knew that we had to have special people that wanted to contribute to our program to see our program move forward. Um, So we understood a little bit about, you know, the donors and, and boosters and, you know, just major sponsors that came through. So we grew to know that. But to talk about transferring, yeah, I mean, that would almost seem like, like I'd be taken like, the wrong way Mm -hmm. you know for like that would have been like a red mark like why are you transferring where today it's seen as you know a great transition piece for a young lady or a young man that um, for whatever reason wants to move to a different place but the NIL is is a different beast and how it will hit you know BCS men's programs football especially men's basketball 
and it will filter on down into the women's side, which we have seen with, I think, Under Armour and uh, South Carolina with Dawn Staley. Yeah. Um, you know, at some, some way it will touch probably a program at some point in time. More with Coach Adams Birch as we continue here live on Sports Talk. But first, let's send it back to Adrian. He has a bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Now with uh, Jody Adams Birch, head uh, women's basketball coach at New Mexico State. Um, you were talking earlier about playing at, at Tennessee uh, for Coach Summit, and and I would like to say that at those days you're, you were probably spoiled because you had huge crowds. And I mean, crowds that most men's men's teams, even good men's teams, wouldn't even dream of getting. And that was just the era of what it was like when she built that powerhouse, and uh, you were one of those main contributors starting for Tennessee. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just such a blessing. It just became something that. Um, no doubt the people that came before us had built that. But, uh, you know, Pat is, she's very uncommon, you know, the way that she recruits, the way she has a vision for each individual and um, how she guides you through that and gets to your heart. And, you know, she, you just really want to play hard for her and really what's across your chest and your name across your back. But, um, you know, playing in front of those packed crowds, you know, it, we saw it was fun. It was never intimidating. You know, we almost got to a point where you just kind of expected it, you know, when we walked in Thompson Bowling Arena and uh, to get into, to even know the fans. I mean, we, we got to know the boosters and uh, some of those today, I mean, we're still friends with and we go back in. It's, it's a very special place. And I think, you know, being a coach and being involved with something like that, you try to do that at every stop. And you want your players to know the, the people that, that do give their time or, you know, financially help us. And so we, we want to build a fan base that gets to know our players and our coaching staff because they're such a huge part of the student-athlete's experience. So you've been doing this a long time, and I'm wondering how much of Coach Summit is is a part of you as a head coach, things that you either learned, whether it's X's and O's or other styles that you've, um, you know, you've integrated into your own coaching philosophy. Well, Pat and I met in eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade when I tore my knee and my ACL in front of her, and she carried me off the court when she was recruiting me at that time. Wow. So she began to know me at a very young age, and, you know, just through the many conversations – we talked about our likeness, you know, and just how we were raised and, you know, just blue collar. We worked and, you know, there were expectations in our family of respect and faith driven families. And, um, you know, we love people. We wanted to help people get to where they wanted to be. And that was like, you know, the biggest reward for us is being able to help and serve and so I think the you know, the similarities were just natural, you know, from the letters that I have you know, that she had written me or the conversations, which, you know, over a period of time, uh, being her point guard and graduate, you, you have a friendship. Mm -hmm. So the things that we shared and, and a lot of it was, it was, you know, just about our family and how we were raised and what we foresee with women's basketball on down the road. But it was just a special relationship and it was a relationship that started, no doubt, with trust and it just, you know, grew, you know, over a period of time. But naturally yes there were just similarities sure. and that really started at home for both of us with a faith driven mother and father and we saw fathers that worked very hard to provide my dad was a coach and her father you know worked on a farm and she had brothers and so they both worked you know and they were hard working men 
As a coach now with this program here at New Mexico State, uh, first off, we're in the middle of the spring. How many spots do you have left to fill right now as you put your roster together? Well, we have nine right now in practice, and um, we've been practicing since I got here and wanted to spend time with them on the court and, you know, them to get to know me. And it was me for a long time and uh, just me on the court with them, which has been great. Um, But so we will look to fill, you know, maybe five uh, spots, I would say. You know, we're going to be um, picky about who we bring in. You know, we look for high character. Um, young women, we look for basketball players, not kids that play basketball. There's a big difference um, to me because they love it. You know, they understand, you know, basketball is not an easy sport. They're, they're okay being uncomfortable, yeah. you know, and that's doing hard sometimes. And they're okay with a coach, you know, um, infusing them with, you know, encouragement or whatever we can provide them with, the skill development. And then we can, you know, take kids that um, – you know, I think both Greg and I are very similar in skill development. Uh, we take great pride in, in developing our individuals, and we call it our 20 square feet. So every young woman has their own 20 square feet that, you know, that we believe they're blessing and they can do for this team. And uh, we develop them from there. If they're coachable and eager and, you know, willing to have an open heart. Um, they're going to they're gonna get somewhere in our programs, no doubt. If they've never seen um, one of your coach teams play, how would you describe the style of basketball that New Mexico State will play? Uh, gritty. You know, we're just tough defenders. We're going to bother you, uh, make you feel uncomfortable. So defensively is, you know, huge for us. And, and, it, and it is just across the board. Um, I just think if we can make choices to do the hard things well, where other people are cutting quarters or other people don't want to do that. And and that's building a culture where we are for each other. You know, we want to see each other do well, and uh, we want to inspire and empower these young women in our program. So I, I would say you a great defensive team, rebounding team. We want to make the, the easy black shots, as we call them, you know, right there at the rim. And we will let our players, you know, if they're a great jump shot, you know, sure, they're going to take the high percentage shot. If they're a great three-point shooter, then they're going to take the three-point shot. But you'll see us work in our 20 square feet of greatness, and that's what they'll be held accountable for, you know, by each other. I like that. The 20 square feet of greatness. That's something that uh, Aggie fans can look forward to. Do you like to run? Do you like to push the ball up the floor? Well, our defense causes that. So, you know, we'll be scrappy. So we'll have a scrappy brand of play. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get on the floor and – you know, we'll mix it up. We'll play physical. So we'll get out and play off our defense and off our rebounds. Will we take fast and early shots if it's a high percentage shot? Yes. So we play percentages. Numbers don't lie, you know, in our game. So we do have to pay attention to those numbers. Coach, I look forward to it. Look forward to seeing you on the floor here. Uh, not before uh, too much longer because before you know it, it'll be October, the start of oh. basketball season. And uh, wish you nothing but the best out here at New Mexico State. Well, thank State. you, and thank you for having me on. You got it. She's Jody Adams-Birch, a new head coach at New Mexico State. Come back to wrap up hour number two in a moment. Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. 48 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk Live uh, from Aggie Memorial Stadium. There's a lot of people conjugating right now around here as uh, they're enjoying themselves prior to the spring game. One of the sponsors here today is 
uh, Modelo Especial, and uh, Zach Erickson is here with us from Modelo right now. Great to see you, and uh, thanks for being a part of it, uh, Zach. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool news today, finding out that uh, Modelo Especial is going to become the official Mexican beer of New Mexico State Aggie Athletics. I love that. Yeah, you know, we've been, uh, we're always looking for a tie to the community, um, and you just, the everything that Mario and the athletic department are doing, it's just infectious. Like, you want to be a part of it, um, and everything just kind of came together, and we're grateful to be a sponsor. Oh, that's great. And, and I'll tell you something else. I think feel like Modelo's popularity has really shot through the roof the last uh, last five, six years, hasn't it? Yeah, we, uh, we have a great partner in Admiral Beverage. Um, you know, they've been behind us every step of the way. Uh, Modelo continues to grow. It's now the number one import in the state of New Mexico. Um, we have a lot of momentum. You know, we have great loyal consumers. We have a great distributor partner. So we're in a great shape. And um, and there's really two main varieties of beer from Modelo. You've got Especial, and then you've got the, the Negra. Yeah, we have Modelo Negra. Uh, it's a darker style beer. Yep. Um, you know, both both brands. You know, they say they're brewed with the fighting spirit. Um, and I mean, the, both both brands just fit this this Las Cruces uh, demographic. If you have somebody's never tried Modelo Especial, I'm sure there's people out there listening. Most have because we, we obviously broadcast in El Paso and, mm-hmm. and in Las Cruces. But if they've never tried it, how would you describe uh, what, what, what the uh, taste of Modelo Especial is like? Uh, think, think of a warm summer night gathering with your friends, um, sharing some stories about days gone by, uh, having a great time. I mean, it's, it's, it's family, friendship, it's, it's everything in a bottle. That's the ultimate pitch. You've you've done this once or twice, haven't you? Maybe, maybe once or twice. <laughs> no, that's that that's really phenomenal when you think about it. Now you mentioned imports. Um, the beer industry is more competitive now than ever before. Mm-hmm. You've got craft beer everywhere. You've got the import business. You still have domestic beer. Um, what are the, some of the changes you've seen from consumers and their habits as more and more beer is, is available and so many more varieties of people to, to, to drink? Yeah, I think um, you know, people look at beer as an affordable luxury. Um, I think you know, money's kind of hard to come by right now. A lot of people are fighting for their jobs and fighting to you know, make ends meet. Um, but beer is that one thing where on the weekend you, know, you can gather with friends, you can try something new. Um, you can try something that you're accustomed to. It brings people together, and it kind of gives them an opportunity to, you know, forget about the problems in the world and, and join together for a few hours. There you go. And, and for somebody like yourself uh, who works here in the state of New Mexico, and you mentioned just the popularity of uh, Modelo Especial in the state, does that surprise you or, or, or not really? Um, you know, not really. I've been, uh, I've been in the beer industry since 2008. I've seen a lot of things happen, um, you know, you could see from, you know, from several years ago, Mexican imports, that they were having their time. You know, beer, we talk about it being um, you know, a cyclical uh, industry. Um, and you saw, you know, between Modelo Especial, Corona, Pacifico, you've seen this just this slow rocket ship, you know, slowly moving to the top. And I think right now we're at, we're at a point where we're really enjoying the, the fruits of our labor. Are there craft beers in uh, Mexico like there are here in the States? Or for the most part, do they stick with the main, the main brands? Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a good excuse for me to take a field trip to, to Mexico. Yeah, you might have to. Um, you know, I, I, know of, I know of our portfolio, some, some comp- competitors. Um, you know, I'm not too familiar with how the craft beer industry works in, in New Mexico. Or in Mexico. Right? There, might, there might not really be much in terms of that. It might be mostly Modelo, and you mentioned some of the other brands like Corona, Tecate, and some of the other uh, Mexican brands that, have, that are all competing for the market share. Yeah, yeah. 
in terms of what you've seen trends over the last few years, what's the biggest difference right now from just the you know just from the world of beer and, and people's habits? Uh, you know, there's always going to be the uh, staples of everyone, the, the Coors Lights, the Miller Lights of the world. Um, they're always going to have a place. But I think, again, you know, people are starting to branch out a little bit more. They're starting to try different things. Um, you know, they try Mexican imports. They try Crafts, to your point. They try local beers. Um, you know, I think it, it's really to a point where people are, you know, they're, they're looking for a different experience. They want to try different types of beer. Um, you know, the wine industry talks about romanticizing the liquid, and I think you're kind of seeing that with the beer industry. You know, people are really trying to, you know, find different styles, different niches of beer that they like. Are you surprised by the growth of seltzers over the last couple of years? Um, you know, seltzer's been, we've seen a lot, a lot of different types of, of alcoholic drink come and go. Um, I didn't know what to expect with seltzer. Um, but here we are, you know, a few years later, and we have our own line of seltzers, and, you know, we're, we're pushing them across the state. So uh, it, you, could, you could say anything, and, you know, two or three years, it wouldn't surprise me in this industry. How big is Admiral Beverage? Uh, so they do about two million cases of Constellation. Um, you know, they are, they are great stewards of this industry. They are the hardest workers in the beer industry. Um, I would put them up against any wholesaler in the United States. They are just second to none. They are a first-class operation. Um, you know, I, on behalf of Constellation, I know they take great care of us, but, you know, top to bottom, every supplier, they give them they give them a lot of support. They're a great partner. Zach Erickson with us here from Modelo Especial as we continue. Was the deal with New Mexico State and Modelo, has that been in the works for a while, or has that just kind of come to uh, fruition? Um, again, I'll be honest. You know, you see what the athletic department is doing. They bring in a coach like Jerry Kill with his pedigree. Um, you know, Minnesota, Big Ten Coach of the Year. He went to TCU, took over for Gary Patterson. They won their first game against, uh, I think, a top-12 Baylor team. Um, that, that spirit is infectious. Uh, I told Steve Liddell, I said, I, you, have to get me, you have to get me in front of the Aggie Athletic Department. I, I just have to be a part of this. Um, everything they're doing for the community, you just, you know, as a, as a sponsor, you just want to be a part of it. So I'm going to throw in, I'm going to wrap this interview up with one question that you're probably not going to be able to answer, but we're going to try anyway. That's okay. If that's you good. had to go into your crystal ball, what do you think is going to become the next big thing in the beer industry down the road? The next big thing is going to be Pacifico. That is, um, it's a, a Mexican-style beer. Um, it's in our portfolio. It is, you know, in, in five to ten years, that's going to be the beer that everyone's talking about. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you called it right now. You called it first. Yeah, I, hey, uh, top-class prognosticator Zach Erickson. You heard it here first. I love it. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Congratulations on the uh, the deal with New Mexico State and Modelo Especial. We appreciate your support and being a part of the show today. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. You got it. Zach uh, Erickson, as we continue and wrap up hour number two, we got another 30 minutes to go before we get you ready for El Paso Chihuahuas baseball. It's coming up next right here with Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, final hour as we get you ready for Chihuahua's baseball at the bottom of the hour. In fact, uh, as we continue, Steve Kaplowitz live at Aggie Memorial Stadium. It's a party out here. Adrian brought us back at our Lubingo Studios. There's a lot of the people starting to conjugate on the patio. South side of the uh, end zone here at Aggie Memorial getting ready for the annual spring game. And that also means uh, only one thing. Joining us next, a man who is on the short list of uh, substitute fill-ins for yeah. El Paso Chihuahuas baseball. There haven't been too many no. that have uh, worked uh, for Tim Haggerty uh, over the years. 
and uh, he's also the television voice of uh, New Mexico State Athletics, talking about Adam Young, who is uh, with us right now. Great to see you, and uh, as I've told uh, Mario and everybody associated with the university, yourself included, thanks for having us out here today. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good to see you as well, Steve, and it's funny because Mario always talks about football game days during the fall, and he says we have five or six chances, depending on how many home games we have each fall, to really throw a party. Well, that apparently goes into the spring now as well because he's trying to throw a party here tonight as well. So this is cool. There's a ton of excitement around Aggie football right now, which is something that we really haven't seen since I've been here during the spring. I agree with you. And um, as I've pointed out uh, numerous times on the show today, and Adrian can attest to this, we've never had um, a season where we've had a head football coaching hire, a men's basketball, and a women's basketball coaching hire all within about a four-month span, and that's what we have right now. It's been crazy. Mario Mocha's been really, really busy, and it all started with Jerry Kill, which, of course, made a huge splash, and that was a name that I had heard for a while because I am from southern Illinois, so I knew all about Jerry Kill and what he did with the Salukis, and Mario hit a home run with that one, and now Greg Heyer, who's done such a good job, at a number of different stops, and Jody Adams-Birch, who was great at Wichita State. So yep. it's a really good core that we get to work with now, and um, I'm excited for the future of Aggie athletics and really excited for the future of Aggie football. It's been awesome to see Jerry and his staff and what they've done so far, both on and off the field, Steve. They've been great in the community, and uh, practices have been really, really high energy. I heard Jerry talking about that with you earlier today. Uh, the folks in the community are really, really engaged and really excited about Aggie football. Have you been impressed with what you've had a chance to see during the 14 practices uh, so far? I have been. Honestly, the biggest takeaway for me, Steve, is the secondaries look better. Um, that, of course, was a huge issue the last couple of years. Uh, the cornerbacks and the safeties have looked better. I feel like they have some athletes back there. Um, there's more running backs than we've seen in past years because in past years they didn't run the football much. So you need four or five running backs that can have success in uh, Jerry's offense. And there's a really good quarterback competition going on right now, and Jerry has not been shy about talking about the transfer portal, and there's still a chance that he might go in the portal and get somebody else. So uh, there's a lot of excitement going into the fall. I think there's plenty of talent, and they are being coached up at a very high level. I'm so interested to see how long it takes to turn it around. Jerry says that based on his career arc, three years is the magic number, although he's not going to say right now that year three is the year, but it just seems like it's always been like that. Um, you know, he's used to this kind of a, of a situation. This is the way it's been throughout his coaching career, and he always seems to work miracles. And, you know, if you can win in New Mexico State and kind of bring things back to where it's been, it hasn't been in, in so many years outside of that 2017 season, um, it would be pretty special for Aggie fans. Steve, I've heard from a lot of fans, what are realistic expectations for next year? And I don't know the answer to that because it is entirely new. There are so many new pieces. But, you know, I certainly think that if you get four or five or six wins, that's an improvement from past years, right? I mean, there's been so many two- or three-win seasons recently. Um, like you said, historically, during Jerry's previous flips, it's been year three, but I certainly think he has plenty of talent here right now, and the schedule is favorable in the final year at Independent going into the Conference USA. But what Jerry's building for right now is a consistent program that can – compete for championships in the Conference USA down the road. Adam Young with us uh, here on Sports Talk as uh, we continue right now. 
Uh, Adrian, all right, um, you, you probably have a million questions for Adam. What would you want to start with right now? I want to start with where you just left that uh, answer off there, Adam. Uh, just talking about Conference USA, we haven't heard your thoughts about this when New Mexico State will be joining Conference USA starting July 1st of 2023. It's crazy that it's already next year that they'll be joining Conference USA. Well, Adrian, I do know this. Uh, they asked Jerry about this at his press conference. Would you have taken this job if the Aggies were still independent? He said no. So, I mean, I thought that was one of the bigger takeaways from his press conference back in December is the Conference USA piece was a big part of him coming here. And you look at basketball as well. I think the WAC has taken off in basketball the last couple of years, so it's in a good spot. I don't think that'll be as big of a leap uh, but for football, I've seen this the last couple of years where you're building this schedule uh, with schools that you don't know very well, a lot of Power 5 competition, of course, two or three money games each year. So, and, and now you can get guys, too, that are coming in to play for something. Before, it's can you get to a bowl game? And Mario did a great job of getting so many bowl tie-ins as an independent. But going forward, you're actually competing for Conference USA championships, and they haven't had that uh, since the Sun Belt days going back to 2017. What about for the fans? What was the initial reaction from the fans like, uh, knowing that they'll be joining Conference USA and uh, sharing a conference with their rivals in UTEP? That was huge. I, I think a lot of the fans do understand it, that for sustainability long-term for this football program, uh, Conference USA was a good fit, and it was something the football program really needed. And if you know college athletics, you know that football kind of drives the bus, right? I mean, the other sports benefit from football, those money games, and from football having success or not having success. So um, I, I do think the fans understood it. Um, and looking ahead to the Battle of I-10 going forward with NM State and UTEP, that's what we've been talking about is imagine a football game that really means something or a basketball game in February or March yeah. where you're playing UTEP and you're competing for a Conference USA title or for a chance to get a Conference USA title. So that's a big deal, I think, looking ahead two years down the road. I mean, it's been almost 60 years since these two were conference rivals. That's how long, and it's a, I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that all these uh, years since uh, they've been uh, just rivalry games but not conference rivals. So I'm excited for it. Are the fans, I mean, you tell me, because the, the, the pulse of fans in Las Cruces, do they generally feel like they just want to see the UTEP and New Mexico State in the same conference? I think so. Um, you know, this rivalry, of course, has been going on for a while in all sports, and it's a big deal around here. And I have heard that a lot ever since the uh, Conference USA announcement came about is these games are meaningful, but now they have an even larger meaning down the road. And um, in football, you know, who knows when they're going to play each other, but just imagine a November game at Aggie Memorial Stadium. We had one a couple years ago, but it was yep. a non-conference game, and, you know, you really can't think much about that. But if both programs are good and you're in the same league, I, I think it goes a long way with the fans. It makes that rivalry, which is a huge deal on both ends, even more meaningful. Um, you call everything uh, when it comes to New Mexico State sports. Pretty much if there's a sport, you've done it. Uh, do you have a particular favorite, or do you just enjoy calling every single thing you can get your hands on? I get that question all the time, Steve. And, and I'd probably say basketball is my favorite. Uh, that's the sport that I grew up playing and 
that's the sport here, quite frankly, that's had the most success. I mean, I was here the entire Chris Giants tenure, so I didn't see a whole lot of losses here at the Pan American Center, and uh, I got to be along for that ride. So I'd probably say basketball is number one. Baseball is kind of where I cut my teeth. Uh, I worked independent baseball in St. Louis for four years just out of college. So uh, baseball is the sport that I probably have the most experience in. It's where I really cut my teeth, and uh, basketball is probably number one as far as the sport I enjoy calling the most. Toughest sport to call that you've been uh, here at New Mexico State? Probably football uh, for me because I didn't play it, Steve, at all. I I didn't play growing up. I didn't play it in high school. So uh, football was brand new for me. Uh, I I came here with little volleyball experience as well, and now I call that on radio and television. The hardest sport sport I've called, period, though, is hockey. I I don't know how a guy like Duke Keith does it. Uh, hockey is extremely, extremely difficult. It's hard to see the jersey numbers. Um, it, it's a very difficult sport in general. Have you called volleyball? I have. I, I actually do it on radio and TV here. Um, but I didn't come in with a whole lot of experience. So uh, my first event here uh, back in, gosh, 2014 uh, was an Aggie volleyball match. And just like Chris Jantz and men's basketball, they've had a lot of success over the years as well. So haven't called many losing matches over the years. How about swimming and diving? I have not done that. Uh, I've not done that. I've not done golf or tennis. Um, I know those are events that are streamed a little more nowadays. I have not done those. I I do every sport here, Steve, except tennis or or golf because we don't televise those. I believe it. Well, I'm excited about that. Now, Hags is going to join us for our final segment when we get yourself ready for um, Chihuahua's baseball. Is there a question you would like to throw out to Tim Haggerty that when he comes back in our final countdown, he can answer? Sure. How, how does he make it look so easy? Uh, he is phenomenal at baseball, Steve. He's, uh, he's one of the best. I, of course, get a chance to listen to a lot of his games here. Uh, that's kind of how I spend my, my nights driving home after work is, is tuning in to Tim Haggerty. He does a great job. Uh, baseball's tough. And it's even tougher when you're calling minor league baseball and you're on the air 140-plus nights out of the year. I don't think folks realize how difficult that is. I did pro ball at the independent level, and I was doing 96 games a year, and that was tough. And the grind of the whole thing um, is probably what makes it the toughest. So uh, if you could ask Tim Haggerty for me, how does he make it look so easy? Because he does. I will ask him. I will ask him. And by the way, he works alone. And, and that's yeah. tough, too. I mean, if you're blessed with a partner, it always makes it easier because then you can focus on describing the action and setting up your partner. But when you're solo and you've got to do everything, uh, I, I respect it even more. My personal choice, Steve, for baseball would actually be to do it solo. And that's the only sport where I would say that just because you can kind of drive the bus and you take that broadcast in whatever direction you want to take it into. Yep. Now, if you ask me that during a, a four-hour game where there's – a rain delay, I might have a different opinion on, on day six of a road trip. But I, I do like calling baseball solo on radio, which is what I get to do here. Very nice. Well, listen, continued success. Enjoy yourself here tonight. Thanks for taking a few minutes. And congratulations on getting hits recently. You tied the knot. What was, the, uh, what was that like for you? It was awesome. I, uh, I actually met my wife here. Uh, she was a basketball coach here. She played at Nebraska, so she is by far 110% the best athlete in the marriage um, and she was a longtime college basketball coach so I interviewed her Steve that's how we met and uh, we got married here last July at Red Hawk Golf Course it was beautiful our family 
uh, got the chance to come in. She's from Lincoln, Nebraska. She played at Nebraska, and then I'm from St. Louis. So uh, the folks that came in from the Midwest for the wedding just thought the Southwest and this part of the country was absolutely beautiful. So we appreciate it. We've been married now for almost a year. Hard to believe, but um, it's been great. Do we get a lot of one-on-one battles? We, uh, we played horse in Vegas a couple years ago when she was an assistant here at one of the uh, basketball tournaments that the Aggies were in during Christmas, and I, I think uh, I think she beat me uh, without me getting any uh, letters on her. So okay. that's the only time we've ever played, to be honest with you. Well, that's probably be- better for the marriage that way. <laughs> that's, that's fine exactly. with me. Adam, thanks for joining us, and uh, enjoy yourself out here tonight. We appreciate it. All right, Cap, appreciate it. Adam Young, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk, when we come back, is he going to pop in or is he? I don't want. I don't want to do that to the guy. Let him have fun. Let him enjoy himself. All right, uh, Tim Haggerty will be with us as we get you ready for um, El Paso Chihuahuas baseball. Six hundred ESPN El Paso.